On this second of Rajab, in the year 1440 after the Hijrah, we're going to cover a very important hadith of the Messenger of Allah sallallahu alaihi wasallam. And the hadith deals with the issues of fitn. Fitn is the plural of fitna. Fitn is the plural of fitna. Trials and tribulations. And this hadith is entitled the Hadith of Fitn, and is narrated by a companion, Jalil, a noble companion, a lofty companion. Inshallah, we're going to cover briefly a small biography of who this companion was before we get into the Hadith. Inshallah, for that our brother is going to read the metan of the Hadith. Inshallah, then we're going to go after that and we're going to piece by piece explain it. Inshallah. حدثنا يحيى بن موسى حدثنا الوليد قال حدثني ابن جابر قال حدثني بسر بن عبيد الله الحضرمي قال حدثني أبو إدريس الخولاني أنه سمع حذيفة بن اليمان يقول كان الناس يسألون رسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم عن الخير وكنت أسأله عن الشر مخافة أن يدركني فقلت يا رسول الله إنا كنا في جاهلية وشر فجاءنا الله بهذا الخير فهل بعد هذا الخير من شر قال نعم قلت وهل بعد ذلك الخير من شر قال نعم دعاة إلى أبواب جهنم من أجابهم إليها قذفوه فيها قلت يا رسول الله صفهم لنا فقال هم من جلدتنا ويتكلمون بألسنتنا قلت فما تأمرني إن أدركني ذلك قال تلزم جماعة المسلمين وإمامهم قلت فإن لم يكن لهم جماعة ولا إمام قال فاعتزل تلك الفرق كلها ولو أن تعض بأصل شجرة حتى يدركك الموت وأنت على ذلك رواه البخاري فإن الحديث الذي جعل عنوان لهذا المحاضرة هو حديث حديث ابن اليمان رضي الله تعالى عنهما. So this hadith that we're going to cover this particular topic is a narration by a companion Jalil by the name of Hudayfa ibn al-Yaman. Hudayfa's father was one who accepted Islam in Mecca. And then later he was sent to Medina because he killed the man. So he had to live in Medina because he killed the man. His son Hudayfa 
he grew up in a Muslim household in Medina. And he became a Muslim before even meeting the Messenger of Allah Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. And he heard much about the Messenger of Allah Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. So then later when he got older, he went to Mecca to meet him, the Messenger of Allah Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. Then later when the Messenger of Allah Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam made the migration to Medina, it was Hudayfa who stuck by his side. His side. He stuck by his side. He fought every battle with the Messenger of Allah Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam except the battle of Badr. And that was not by choice. It's because him and his father was outside of Medina. And when they tried to enter back in, the Mushrikeen pagans prohibited them from entering. And then they allowed them, but they made them make a covenant. They would not join the Messenger of Allah Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. Outside of that, they fought every, for every battle with the Messenger of Allah Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. His father, Al-Yaman, he was uh, killed by accident by the companions in the, in the battle of Uhud. He was killed by accident. And he screamed out saying, this is my father, this is my father. But they didn't hear him. They did not hear him when he screamed out, this is my father. This companion, he was the one who was called the keeper of the secret of the messenger of Allah. Sallallahu alayhi wasallam. And you heard me mention before, that he was given a list of 70 of the munafiqeen, 70 of the hypocrites in Medina. And he was the keeper of that secret. He didn't tell anyone. And the messenger, not only was he given the list of the hypocrites, he was, his other responsibility was to watch them, their every movement. He was doing like, you know, intel. He was spying on them to let the messenger of Allah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam know their movements. <coughs> Umar ibn al-Khattab radiallahu ta'ala anhu because Hudayfa kept the secrets because the messenger told him not to tell anyone and Hudayfa, he stopped Hudayfa once he asked was his name on that list but he couldn't tell if others were on that list meaning that whoever was on that list he could not tell he can tell Umar no your name is not on that list but he could not tell who was on the list but Umar what he would do in order to know who was on that list indirectly if someone died Omar would ask, did Hudayfa attend the janazah? If he didn't, he knew they was a hypocrite. And if he went, then he knew that they were believers. So this is how Omar ibn Khattab knew indirectly who the hypocrites were. Because Hudayfa couldn't tell anyone. So this companion, Hudayfa, he was a great companion who, as I mentioned, he stood by the messenger of Allah sallallahu alayhi wasallam. So this narration is a great narration. And it's explained by different scholars. They explain this particular narration. And tonight we're going to take an explanation by Sheikh Saleh Al-Fawzan, who's one of the scholars on the Legend of Daiman, one of the scholars on the permanent committee of the scholars. So the narration is as follows as the brother he read the Metin, where he said that, كَانَ النَّاسِ يَسْأَلُونَ رَسُولَ اللَّهِ صَلَى اللَّهُ عَلَيْهِ وَسَلَّمَ أَنَا خَيْرٍ the people used to ask the Messenger of Allah Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam about the good. He said, وَكُنْتُ أَسْأَلُهُ عَنَ الشَّرِّ I used to ask him about the evil. مَخَافَتَ and يُجُرِكَنِي For fear that it may reach me. Another narration says, أَقْعَفِي Or for fear I might fall into it. For fear that I might fall into it. So, he said, Hudayfa, Ya Rasulullah, O Messenger of Allah, 
Indeed, we were in the in jahiliyyah, ignorance and in evil. We were in ignorance and in evil. فَجَاءَنَا اللَّهِ بِهَذِهِ الْخَيْرِ Then Allah sent you to us with this good. فَهَلْ بَعْدَ هَذِهِ الْخَيْرِ شَرْ If there's any good after this evil, قَالَ نَعَمْ The Messenger of Allah said, yes. فَقُلْتُ He said, هَلْ بَعْدَ ذَلِكَ الشَّرِّ مِنْ خَيْرِ He said, I said, is there any evil after this good? He said, نَعَمْ وَفِيهِ دَخِنْ and there's two different narrations. He mentioned the he, he recited the narration from Bukhari. It's Bukhari and Muslim, Mutafiq Ali. It's extremely authentic. When you talk about the, the authenticity of hadith, the most authentic narration you can get is in Bukhari. There's no other authentic narration that's stronger than Bukhari. Outside of the Quran, Bukhari is the most authentic thing you can find in relation to the deen. And of course, you must understand that the hadith explain the Quran. And Bukhari took a very stringent manner in compiling these ahadith. He would make wudu and make salat to raka'ah for every narration he compiled. And keep in mind, he has, there's about 10 volumes, over 6,000 and some odd ahadith. So he made two raka'ah for each one. And if he found someone else may have had a narration, he would see it being redundant. He, may not have, he might, might not have recorded it. But of course his student, Muslim, he would have narration that Bukhari had. So you find him with Tafakul Ali, agreed upon. So Bukhari is the most authentic hadith, the Sahih of Bukhari. Don't confuse with Adaba Mufrad. Adaba Mufrad is also by Bukhari. But all those narrations there are not as authentic as Bukhari is. All the narrations in Bukhari are authentic. So this narration that he recites Bukhari, you have Bukhari and Muslim. So the narrations have slightly different wording. So he said, Naam, there'll be some good after the evil. He said, but in it is dakhan. So he said, Quntu wa So what is this dakhan? What is it? He said, Qala qawm yastanuna bighiri sunati. There'll be a people who will be, who will be upon other than my sunnah. They'll be upon other than my sunnah. وَيَحْتَدُونَ بِغَيْرِ هَدِّ And they be upon other than my guidance. He said, and you will know them and oppose them. Then he says, فَقُلْتُ هَلْ بَعْدَ ذَلَكْ خَيْرٍ مِنْ شَرٍ Will there be any good after this evil? He says, قَالَ نَعَمْ Yes. دُعَاتَ عَلَىٰ أَبْوَابَ جِحَنَّمُ And one narration as he read says, إِلَّا Two. So it's the word is different, but does not affect the narration. Bukhari and Muslim, two different narrations, they're both authentic, but the slight wording is different. So he said, Naam du'at ala abwabi jahannam. Man ajabahum ilayha qadafu fiha. So say yes, callers to the doors of the hellfire. And whoever responds to them, they will cast him in it, meaning cast him in the hellfire. So I think by now you can kind of get an idea before we even explain the hadith that what he's referring to are Muslims and not kufar. They're not disbelievers. 
They're not disbelievers. They're Muslims. As you can see now, you can kind of get the idea. So he says, فَقُلْتُوا يَا رَسُولَ اللَّهِ لَنَا So Messenger of Allah, describe them to us. So Hadaifa, he's keen. He wants to know. He wants all these details. He says, نَعَمْ There be a people who will have our skins. He said, وَيَتَكَلِّمُونَ بِأَلْسَنَاتِنَا And they will speak with our tongues. They will have our skins and speak with our tongues. So he says, قُلْتُوا يَا رَسُولَ اللَّهِ فَمَا تَرَّى إِنْ أَدْرَكِنِي ذَلِكَ So Messenger of Allah, what do you order me with? If that reaches me. If those time come that you're describing, if it reaches me, what do you order me with, O Messenger of Allah? And this is a solution for us. Because these things that the Messenger of Allah وسلم, is mentioning, they started to come during the end of the Khulafa Rashidin al-Mahdiyin, of the rightly guided Khulafa. And you start seeing these different variants of these different groups started to appear. The Mu'tazila, Jabariya, Qadariya, Khawarij, Jahmiya, Ash'ari, Ma'atradiya, wa kadhalik. All these groups started to appear. And some of them even learned with the Tabi'een, like, like Hassan al-Basri, Wasila ibn al-Ta'a, the leader of the Mu'tazila, he studied with the Tabi'een, he studied one of the Tabi'een. He studied with the Kibar ulama, the great scholar of his time, he sat right there in his study circle. Hassan al-Basri, who learned in the household of Um Salama, the wife of the Prophet sallallahu He learned from Abu Huraira and others. He learned from great companions. And this Wasila ibn al-Ta'a, he sat there with the great Tabi'i. He sat there, he was from the major scholars. And yet and still, he deviated from the true religion and he started another sect that the messenger spoke about. So what about now time? So he said, what do you order me to do if this reaches me? He says, تَلْزَمُوا جَمَعَةَ الْمُسْلِمِينَ وَإِمَامَهُمْ So stick to the jama'ah of the Muslimin and the imam. Doesn't necessarily mean the imam of the masjid. It means the imam of the Muslim society, the Muslim ruler. Stick to the jama'ah and the Muslim ruler. But Hudayfa was not satisfied. He says, فَقُنْتُ فَإِنْ لَمْ تُكُونْ لَهُمْ جَمَعَةٌ وَلَا إِمَامٌ What if there's no jama'ah and no imam? What is there's no imam? There's no Muslim ruler and there's no jama'ah to stick to. What do you expect? What do you want me to do, Messenger of Allah? He said, then separate from all these firaq, hulaha, all of them. All these groups, stay away from them. Separate from them. The Messenger is telling him this. All these groups who claim in Islam, stay away from them. The Messenger is saying this. He says, وَلَوْ أَن عَلَىٰ أَسْلِ سَجَرَةٍ حَتَّىٰ الْمَوْتِ He said, so and even if you have to bite upon the root of a tree with your molar teeth, and you die upon that. Even if you have to bite on the root of a tree with your molar teeth, you stick to that. Stay away from all these different sects, the messenger is telling him. Like Ibn Mas'ud said that a man who's upon the haqq even by himself, he's the jama'ah. So this is the messenger of Allah. So now, so let's go over the explanation, inshallah. Phrase by phrase, inshallah. 
So first, the Shaykh, he says, Al-Hatiqah, the reality that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, Qadab al-Qadr, bi'an yukun hunak fitin, ibtila' imtihan, yajri ala khalq, litamayyuz al-sadiq min al-munafiq. So he said that the Messenger of, I'm sorry, he said that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, in the reality of decreeing, in his preordainment, that there will be trials, there will be tests, there will be calamities that will flow upon the creation. And this is in order to distinguish, to make a tamiz, a distinction between the one who is truthful and the one who is a munafiq, a hypocrite. He says, وَقَالَ تَعَالَىٰ أَلِفْ لَامِّينَ أَحَسِيبُ النَّاسُ أَنْ يُتْرِكُوا أَنْ يُقُولُوا آمِنَّا وَهُمْ لَا يُفْتَنُونَ And he says, Allah says, Alif لَامِّينَ And no one knows the understanding of those letters except Allah. No one knows those interpretations of those letters. There are some who try to interpret those letters in their explanation of the Qur'an. They say it means, some say some of the letters mean Abu Bakr al-Siddiq, other than that. No one knows the meaning except Allah. Allah says, do mankind do not consider or think that he be left alone saying that he believes and not be tested. Do mankind not consider that he be left alone saying that he believes and not be tested. Allah says, He tested those that came before you. Those that came before, before you, before us. Why? So Allah may know, although Allah knows all that before it comes into existence. It doesn't mean what it says. So Allah may know those who are truthful from those who are liars. What it means is that so we may know. Because Allah knows that before it comes into existence. So we may know those who are truthful from those who are liars. So do not think you be left alone saying you believe and not be tested. Allah tested those that came before us so we may know those who are truthful from those who are liars. So he says that here, the fitna, it is ikhtibar. It is the examination, the testing. He says, because the people would not be left alone saying, and yukul amantu, aslamtu, and a Muslim, and a mu'min, but and yubtala wa yumtihan. He said that, so the people would not be left alone saying that we believe. I believe. I've submitted. I'm a Muslim. I'm a mu'min. He said, it is a must. That the person is tried and tested. He said they are tried and tested. And he said that they may be patient ala imanahu. Wathabat ala imanahu. Inda fitin. That the person be patient upon their iman. And that they be firm upon their iman. When the fitin comes, when the test comes. It's easy to say you're Muslim. It's easy to say that you're a believer. 
But now when your risk is at stake, when you're told that Ahmed, Abdullah, Fatima, Khadija, shave that beard or take off the niqab, disobey Allah, they tell you that otherwise. They will take these affairs light. Don't say it's only a sunnah. If you do that, you can have all the risk that you want. Did it not tell the Messenger of Allah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam they make him a king? All you have to do is just compromise with this a little bit. Did not Jibreel alayhi salatu salam come to the Messenger of Allah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam and say that you can be Abdullah a servant of Allah and be poor. Allah has given you a choice. Allah gave him a choice. Be Abdullah be servant of Allah and be poor. Or be a king, have risk, have sustenance, have dominion, and be a servant of Allah. What did he choose? He chose to be Abdullah and to be poor because he knew with that risk comes responsibility, become questioning in your grave, and is a test for you in this dunya. So it's easy to say we believe. As Allah said, you don't think you're going to say you believe and not be tested. So here the shaykh is saying that you need patience upon your iman. He said, and have firmness upon iman, when the fitna comes. So it's all gravy, it's all good, it's all jayid, when everything is okay at the job, everybody's getting along. You're making that, you're making that money, that falus, that skrilla. That cheese, whatever you want to call it, you know, dunya or deen, the mal, whatever you want to call it. And we mentioned last week with the word mal, what it means, where it comes, where it comes from. We have to understand lughatin istilahin. It means something that leans. That's what mal means, wealth, because it leans you, it turns you away from all the remembrance of Allah. Then Allah say that your wealth and your children, and your family are fitna for you. Your wealth takes you away from the remembrance of Allah. That's what the word mal means. To lean. Because it, it leans you away from the remembrance of Allah. That wealth, that risk. How many people have said that if I get a risk, if Allah increase me with his risk, I'm going to give fisa bilillah. I'm going to support the da'wah. I'm going to support the masjid. I'm going to do this, I'm going to do that. In the name of Allah. And as soon as they get it, they forget about it. I know a brother who was tested like that. He retired from the government. He had $60,000 they gave him for his retirement. 60K. And he had promised to do something in the way of Allah. And he had a plan to go overseas and live for one year. A month later, he had to come back. Why? Because all of his wealth that he got from his retirement disappeared from the bank. A month later, So he came to me, he said, he said, you remember when I said I was going to do something and I didn't do it? I said, no. He said, that's why I'm back. Because that wealth I got from my retirement, Allah tested me and tried me because I didn't do what I said I was going to do. All my wealth is gone now. Also his house burnt down. Nowhere to live. It's in a manner. Risk is in a manner. Don't play with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, brothers and sisters. Don't play with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Be serious with your amana. Be serious with your risk. Use your money 
to take care of yourself and your family and to better your deen. So he said, be firm when the fitna comes. And he said, and be truthful fi imanahu in his iman. He said, and do not fall into inhiraf in the fitna, in the fitna. Do not fall, fall into deviation when the fitna comes. Do not fall into deviation. He says, so therefore, he exchanges his deen. He leaves his deen. So now he's no longer Ahmed. He's no longer Ali. He's no longer Muhammad. Now he's Mo. He's Al. It happens. She's no longer Fatima. She's no longer Aisha. Because why? Because she did not, he did not understand this hadith of the Messenger of Allah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. This is why the Mashaykh say that Hudayfa wanted to know about the evil. The people want to know about the good. They fell short. He wanted to know about the evil for fear may reach him so he can know what to do. So he said, when the fitna comes, fall into inhiraf, angel fitn, deviation when the fitna comes. And exchanging, their de- exchanging his deen. This is one who's a liar in his iman. munafiq. He said, and this person is a munafiq. There are some amongst the people who say we believe in Allah in Yawmul Akhir. But they do not believe. يُخَادِعُونَ اللَّهِ وَالَّذِينَ آمَنُوا وَمَا يَخْدَعُونَ إِلَّا أَنفُسَهُمْ وَمَا يَشْعُرُونَ He said, these are the ones who try to deceive Allah, so try to deceive the believers. But in reality, they deceive only themselves. They try to deceive Allah and the believers, but in reality, they don't deceive themselves and don't even perceive it. They don't even perceive that they, that they deceive themselves. Because why? When the fitting came, when the trials and tribulations came, then you seen that they went the other way with their deen. And this is the way the munafiq, in the time of the Messenger of Allah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. The people or the munafiqeen, they were with the believers when the believers had the upper hand. But when the believers had the, when they had the lower hand, this is when they showed their true colors. This is the same with the Muslimin. Those who they pretend they with you, or they pretend something from the deen, or they may think they really grounded in the deen, then when the trials and tribulations come, they really know. This is how you know when you're really upon the istiqam. This is how you really know you're upon the sunnah. It's easy to say, Oh, I'm Sunni, I'm upon the haq, I'm upon the way of Ahl sunnah, I follow the way of the Prophet and his companion. You narrate the hadith, you narrate the Quran, all these different, you know, it sounds beautiful, but you really see a person. Look at that person's mawqif, his true position. Look at that person, how, how, how's, how long has he been on, on the bat? How long has he been firm? Through all the years, has he been the same? Has he been wavering here to and fro? Has he been the same person for numerous of years? Nothing affects him, nothing affects her. When the fitting comes, nothing affects that person. They're still in the same position, consistently, no matter what the people are upon. This person, by Allah's leaves, upon Istiqamah. 
This the person, the person who is truthful in the Iman. But you see the person one day he's like this, another month he's like this, another year he's like this, he goes back and forth. Sometimes you see him, then you see him again, he's, he, he lost his way, come back a couple of years later, he says, oh, I can wait. This person, he's not grounded. This is not a criticism, this is a reality. Those people we grab by the hand. We grab them by the hand, we bring them close. We show them brotherhood. We show them the way Imaniya, Ikhwaniya, brotherhood, Iman, Tawheed, Sunnah. We bring them close. We try to advise them with gentleness. We advise them in the best way. They're going to waver in the fit, in the fitting. But we need to help them with Allah's permission, make dua for them. Teach them the aqidah, because the aqidah, the aqidah sahiha, this is what makes you grounded, especially in times of fitting. Because if you're not, you're going to go everywhere the wind blows. Because why? The Prophet is explaining to Hudayfa that they're going to have our skins, they're going to have our tongues, they're going to speak our language, they're going to look like us, but they're going to be the du'at upon the doors of the hellfire. So then the Shaykh goes on to say, he says, so in this hadith, Hudayfa ibn Yaman, al-Yaman, al-Sahibi, al-Jalil, a lofty companion, he said that the people asked the Messenger of Allah وسلم, about the good, about the good, asked him about the evil. Then he brings some poetry. He said, the poet said, عرفت شر لا لشري ولكن توقيه من لم يعرف من He said, a poet said, I do not know the good, just for the good. I'm sorry, I don't know the evil just for the evil, because I won't fall into it. And those who do not know the evil from the good will fall into it. Once again, a poet said, I do not know the evil just for the evil, but so I won't fall into it. And those who don't know the good from the evil will fall into it. If you, your wife, your children, your relatives, and those who are close to you don't know the good from the evil, how can they be guaranteed that they're going to fall into the evil when it comes? How can I distinguish between the good and the evil? This is what Hudayfa is asking. How do your children distinguish between ISIS and a Muslim who is correct upon Quran and Sunnah? How do they distinguish between the Irhabiyin? Because don't think that they won't creep into your household. They're creeping in through social media. And especially when you place a phone in your kid's hand and you don't check and you don't teach, you don't educate, you don't set limits. And ISIS is going to come. They're going to say, Allah said, the messenger said. They're going to look like us, like the messenger of Allah وسلم, said. How many youth have left Europe and America and went to go join ISIS because their parents were not on their job? Because they didn't understand this hadith. Yes. Yes. As he mentioned, as the Shaykh mentioned, there's a narration when you make I mean you make dua to the, to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, ask him to show you the truth from the falsehood. Why? Why? In the narration, not just to see it, so you may avoid it. So you may avoid it. This is important. This is important. So he said that the poet said, I do not know the evil just for the evil, so I won't fall into it. And those who don't know the evil from the good will fall into it. 
And then he said, so Hudayfa said, Al-Jahiliyyah. He said, it's taken from the word Jahil. What is huwa Adam al ain It is the opposite of knowledge, meaning the non-existence of knowledge. Meaning you don't have any knowledge. And he said, what it meant by here, Murad Biha, is that Makana Qabal al-Islam, that which came before Islam. Pre-Islamic days of Jahiliyyah, for Islam. He said, we're in Jahiliyyah. Then Allah said, to us. We're in Jahiliyyah and in evil. This term is important to note because Jahiliyyah was anything that came before the Messenger of Allah وسلم, was sent. Because between Isa and the Messenger of Allah وسلم, was 600 years where the people fell back into darkness. When the Messenger of Allah وسلم, came, then therefore Jahiliyyah, complete Jahiliyyah was cut off. Only specific. There's a term that was coined in our time where it says that the Muslim world is in a state of jahiliyyah. This is an erroneous statement. And many people have made this statement unknowingly. If you actually say this statement that the Muslim world is in a state of jahiliyyah, what you have done is made takfir on the whole Muslim ummah. You've made takfir. You've made the whole Muslim ummah kafir by saying that. Because the scholars are unanimously agreed there's no such thing as a complete jahiliyyah after the Messenger of Allah came. If you say jahiliyyah in that sense, you mean in the state of kufr and disbelief. And it was a coin termed in our time and spread throughout the Muslim world. And people use this term saying the Muslim world is in the state of jahiliyyah. No. No. Because total jahiliyyah was removed. Because what Hudayfa said, we was in the state of jahiliyyah and evil. Fajana Allah. Then Allah sent you to us with this khair. Meaning that now that ignorance is removed and wiped out and erased completely. Except in specific situations where people are ignorant. So the Shaykh said, فَهُوَ الْجَاهِلِيَّةِ لِأَنَّهُمْ كَانُوا عَلَىٰ جَهَلْ وَدُولَالْ فِي الْعِبَادَتَهُمْ Because he said that they were part ignorance and misguidance in their worship. And in their dealings, <coughs> and in their, eat, in their eating, and their drinking, and their marrying, they were in a state of jahiliyyah. And other than that, he said, He said, and they were upon uh, ignorance and misguidance, he said, with the causes of. Al-fit, uh, uh, he said, with the causes of uh, uh, that, he said, Alati Bayana Isa, salam. He said, as Isa had explained, salam, and Muhammad وسلم, about the people being in a state of ignorance. So then he goes on to say that, so here he says, Hu alladhi arsala rasuluhu bilhuda wa din al he said, it is he who sent this messenger, Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, huda and din al-haq. He said, the huda is ilm al-nafi' beneficial knowledge. Din al-haq, amal al-salih, righteous actions. He said, this messenger, with huda and din al-haq. Here the, the huda is ilm al-nafi' beneficial knowledge. The guidance is beneficial knowledge. 
and din al-haq is amal salih righteous actions they go hand in hand and he says ba'ath Allah nabiyyihi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam bi ilm nafi' wa amal salih he said then he sent his messenger Allah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam with beneficial knowledge and righteous actions which therefore made jahiliya cease walillah alhamd and all praises to Allah Then he says, and we were upon shar, evil. He says, ma huwa shar? He said, what is shar? What is evil? He says, shar, evil. Uwa ma kana alayhi al-nas qabla ba'athat nabiyya sallallahu alayhi wa sallam min al-shirk billah wa ibadat al-awthan wa akil al-haram wa ghayri thalik min al-shurur alati kana alayha al-nas qabla ba'athat nabiyya sallallahu alayhi wa sallam هذا هي الشرور وجاء الله بهذه الخير he said بهذه الخير he said that what is شر what is evil he said it was that in which the people were upon before the sending of the messenger of Allah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam he said from shirk billah from ascribing partners to Allah this sound familiar now? this sound familiar? I'm asking you this sound familiar brothers? Do we not? In this ummah, he said that evil is that which was the people were upon before the messenger of Allah sallallahu alaihi wasallam was sent. So if you find something in your practices of belief, if we find something in our practices of belief, if we find something in the practices of our children's belief, or our wife's belief, or the Muslim ummah's belief, that means they have an aspect, we have an aspect of jahiliyyah in our aqidah. And we are not upon the pure aqidah of, of sahiha of the Messenger of Allah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam how his companions understood it. Because why? He said from what? Shirk billah. He said from shirk billah. Ascribing partners to Allah. I ask you, brothers, I ask you sisters, I'm asking you for an answer. Is the Muslim ummah free from shirk billah? Are, are, are we free from it? No. So that means that some of us so that's why the messenger warned specifically here in his narration, specifically about certain Muslims. Because the Muslims upon something other than the guidance of the messenger of Allah, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, is more harmful to this ummah than a kafir. You must understand that. Why is that? Because the kafir, you know he's upon disbelief. You know she's upon disbelief. You know she's, she's upon khurafat, superstition. You know she's upon kufr. You know she's upon, or he's upon bid'ah, innovation. You know he's upon all these things that are other than Islam. But a Muslim who comes to you, as the messenger said, who have your tongue. Ya khi, ya sunni, ya ahli sunnah. I'm like you. I'm with you. Qala Allah. Qala Rasul. Qala Mashaykh. Qala Ulama. He would say these things. Hadathana such and such. Akhbarna. And, and, and. So the messenger said they would have your tongues. So the evil is that in which came before the messenger of Allah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam was sent. So now, in retrospect to that, you find moving forward today, you find all kinds of shakiyat in the Muslim ummah today. Even in the households of the Muslims, you find it. You find the Muslims depending upon other than Allah. Amulets, all these kind of shirkiyat, magic, all the things we talk about in our weekly class. 
You find it today. You find it in existence. So he said that from the shirk, and that from worshiping the idols, and eating the haram, and other than that from the evils that in which the people are upon before Islam, before the sin of the Messenger of Allah Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. That he said, Allah That Allah sent you with this good. He sent you to us with this good. <clears throat> so here, it shows you that Hudayfa, he's grateful to Allah. He's recognizing, as the Shaykh mentioned, he's recognizing the virtue that Allah has put upon them by sending the Messenger of Allah Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. By saying that Allah sent you to us with this good. So he's recognizing the good Allah has placed upon them. The good is not how much money we make. That money is going to be a trial for us in our graves. In fact, to be used as a punishment for us if we did not use it in the halal means. Look at the Muslimin today. Look at some of us today. You can go to almost any gas station, any convenience store, any 7-Eleven that some Muslims own. Look, keep it real. Let's keep it 100. Because see, if I sugarcoat it, I will be questioned on Yom Qiyamah by Allah. And this will never solve our problems. If we try to turn a blind eye or put our head in the sand like an ostrich. Try to cover it up like it doesn't exist. You can go how many stores and you find the Muslims selling cigarettes with no shame. Selling khamar, alcohol, no shame. Selling khanzir, no shame. Selling lottery tickets, no shame. Selling pornography books, no shame. And, and, wow, wow, wow. And, and, and. Even on the street level, Muslims selling marijuana, Muslims selling cocaine, Muslims selling heroin. Let me tell you a situation happened to a brother that I know. He met a brother from Pakistan once. And not just a brother, an older brother. Sheikh in the terminology of the language. Past his 60s, white beard. And the brother told him, I have some products I want to bring from overseas, some oils and rugs and things like this that you can sell for me. And you can sell as a distributor to all the wholesalers. So he said, okay, mashallah. He said, meet me in Baltimore. He met him in Baltimore, an old man. The reason why I, the reason why I emphasize old man because the older we get, the more we should know better. And this is why the Messenger of Allah Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam said, Allah will not forget an old man who commits zina. To show the emphasis of how an older person has have more self-control. So he met this older brother from Pakistan. In Baltimore. He sat with him. And he told him, I'm going to bring all this import, this stuff for you. This oil, I'm going to bring a massive amount. Thousands and thousands of dollars for us. So then as they're talking, the Pakistani is peeping the brother out. And the brother, he's okay. Then the Pakistani said to him, he leaned over, he said, I have a big shipment of heroin coming in. Kilos, tons of it. He said, you should like a trustworthy person? You should like, you know, someone, who, you should like someone who know how to move this stuff? What do you want to do? Brother said that minute his shape column was got him. Because he comes from that background like many of us. Easy money. You talk about heroin, you talk about kilo by itself. I don't know about now, but you can, kilo years ago, 
Easy $20,000. You can make massive amount of money. He took about tons of it. He said, Shaitan came in. Then he said, he got up for a minute. He said, I'll be right back. Went to the bathroom. He started, you know, secret reference in law. He came back. He said, I'm gone. He rolled out, rushed. He called me instantly. The Muslim Ummah, the evil that we're confronted with. How many of us know that our children are not being confronted by people like that, who are Muslims? Don't you know in D.C., right now in certain neighborhoods in the Northwest, there are Muslims who are taking the young Muslims and making them sell drugs for them. And telling them this is the way we must do it against the Kufar. We must unite against the Kufar. And they're using the hadith. La you be no hadukum. None of you truly believe except you want for your brother what you want for yourself. We must come together against the non-believers and doing these drugs, selling these drugs to take over these streets. And weapons. This is a reality. Now I know some of you may not be affected by that. You may be in your comfortable homes. Allah may bless you to be away from that, from that situation. So okay, that doesn't concern me. It should concern us. We like one body. As the Messenger of Allah sallallahu alayhi said, one part of the woman hurt, all of us should suffer. All of us should feel the pain. Also, don't think because you're not comfortable comfortable environment. I know I've met myself personally in the city of DC over these last 25 years. Many Pakistanians and Egyptians and other than that who are coming from good households, parents are wealthy, but their children out there in the streets selling drugs. Acting just like those people in the streets. You would think they were born and raised here in America. They use the slang of the African Americans and the Kufar. This is the evil that the Messenger of Allah, Sallallahu Alaihi is warning us from. But then he brings us with this care, with this good. And then he closes it out, inshallah ta'ala. He mentioned the du'at ala abwabi jihannam. The call is upon the doors of the hellfire. And of course, we, we're skipping over a lot because this type of hadith, to get the full information, you can't do it in one day. It would take, you have to go over it, you know, for maybe a month or so. They get all the extract, but I extracted a lot of the, 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 the greater benefits from it. I believe you have to call the Adhan, Okay, call the Adhan, inshallah. Call the Adhan, then it will take five minutes, inshallah, just to close out, inshallah. Bismillah, alhamdulillah, wa salatu wa salamu ala rasulullah wa ba'ad. Amma ba'ad. Inshallah, we're going to take a few more minutes, inshallah. We have an option. We can, we, our normal classes tomorrow, we cover the book, Talatatul Usul. So either we can continue, we can take this five more minutes now and then continue tomorrow, inshallah, in place of that particular class. Or as one brother asked me, uh, if, if those who want to stay after Isha, you have an option, it's your choice, stay. So I'm asking you, which one do you want to do? You want to continue a few minutes, maybe up to 30 minutes after Isha, or we just tomorrow, for our class tomorrow, we continue with that. So. Thank you.
Okay, inshallah. So we'll stay 30 minutes after Isha. We'll take five more minutes now, and then inshallah we'll stay 30 minutes after Isha, inshallah. So once again, brothers and sisters, um, <clears throat> this narration is extremely important. And as we mentioned, different scholars have explained this narration. And it's something that we need to... It's enough something we, something we really need to... Um, it's something we really need to, to focus on, inshallah. Because... <clears throat> This telling you to experience myself personally because I've been working with the youth for, for more than 20 years. And like I say, it's not just African Americans. I've dealt with youth from all over, different, like I say, from, from Pakistan, from, from, from Egypt, from different places, and who are out in the streets, who are doing things that their parents don't know that they're doing until they actually get locked up. And then their parents find out. I've been dealing with it for more than 20 years firsthand in the prisons, outside the prisons in the projects, in the neighborhoods where people who don't want to go, people are being killed and so on and so forth. So I've seen it firsthand. So for me, it's a reality that I know about. And those brothers who, who know, they know. You know, it's a reality. And like I said, sometimes the parents can be fooled because there's some children who go out the house. The girl, she goes out with hijab on, but then when she goes around the corner, she takes the hijab off and put it in her pocketbook and throw on lipstick. And the father doesn't know. And she comes back home, she puts back everything on, like everything's okay. Likewise, the sons. And I've seen it. I've seen, you know, parents who finally caught their Muslim children with other people's Muslim daughters on Facebook where the boy is doing things inappropriate, you know. And the parents found out, you know, in a bad way. They didn't know all these times. They didn't know what was going on. They didn't know how long the relationship was going on for a year or so. They never knew. So these are realities that, you know, that we're faced with. So because I know of these realities, I have to make them clear. Especially in light of this narration of the Messenger of Allah Now that doesn't mean you go home now and start drilling your kids and saying, where was you at? You know, you don't know. We give husnodhan. Give benefit of the doubt. But at the same time, we don't allow them to, to give free reign to do whatever you want to do, however you want to do it. It's, 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 but I'll order this chaos. I'll order this chaos. So they must live by Islamic standards in the home and outside the home. When they go outside the home, of course you can't control that. But if you do it in the home, inshallah, to the best of your ability, if Allah wills, they they got it, then it's a safeguard. So the next three minutes, just to start, until after Isha, just to start the narration. So the part where he says, Du'at ala abwabi jihannam. Call us upon the door of the doors of the hellfire. We know that da'wah to Allah is very important. Salam is in the Quran, ahsinu qawla mimman da'a ila Allahi wa amala saliha wa qala min qala innani min al-muslimin. Who is better in speech? They want to call us to Allah and says, I'm from the Muslims. Who is better in speech? They want to call us to Allah and says, I'm from the Muslims. So we know that this is a great duty to call to Allah. We know that the Prophet ﷺ, he sent Mu'adh to, to, to Yemen, to Ahlul Kitab. And they were Jews and Christians. But predominantly they were Jews there in Yemen at the time. He said, let the first thing it be that you call them to is to the Tawheed of Allah. So we know da'wah is great. But the da'wah must be in accordance to the Qur'an and Sunnah. Upon what the Messenger of Allah sallallahu was upon. And not upon other than that. So in the next part of the narration, inshallah, after Isha, for 30 minutes, we will explain, allow the shaykh to explain, who are these du'at upon the doors of the hellfire? Why did the Messenger say this? Why did he say, why did he let us know that it would be Muslims who would be calling to uh, the doors of the Jahannam? And if you respond to their call, they're going to throw you in a hellfire to that when you respond to it. What does he mean by this? Why did he say this? Why did he inform us of this? 
This is extremely, extremely important for us to know. So inshallah, the Isha, for 30 minutes we'll get into that. Barakalofikum, anything I said thus far, that is correct from Allah, from Allah alone. Anything I said for mistakes for myself and the shaitan. Please forgive me for any uh, mistakes, anything uh, known or unknown, any uh, uh, speech impediments or anything of that nature. So with that, subhanakallah, I'm going to be Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh.